0: Good morning, there we are. Good morning, Desert Hills family. Thank you for joining us here post Thanksgiving. I'm gonna be watching you because I know some of you ate too much food this weekend. And so some of you are gonna be sleepy here in just a little bit. But I'll promise you, if I have your attention, I'll be shorter than I I would have been had I not had your attention, all right? Uh, So I am hoping to get out of here definitely before one o'clock for sure. And so uh, if you uh, are, are engaged, we'll be a little bit more expeditious. Uh, so thankful to have you here today. So thankful for you as uh, I sat with my family and some friends here for Thanksgiving. I was thinking of you all and very thankful for the people that God has sent to Desert Hills Baptist Church. and. Uh, So looking forward to the future. God's done many wonderful things here in our church over this last year, over these last few years, and we're excited about 2023. It's hard to believe that in just a little over a month, we'll be walking into a new year, and it's hard to say 2023. I remember when they sang about 1999. Remember that? (laughs) And uh, I remember uh, Y2K and all the paranoia with that. I remember all of those things. And, And now here we're coming up on 2023. But it's exciting. It's another opportunity. I know a new year doesn't wipe away everything that happened in the previous year. But it's an opportunity to look at a clean slate, if you will, an empty calendar, and an opportunity to focus anew on the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That is what we need to do. We need to press toward the mark. We need to press towards Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author And finisher of our faith. And so, as we close out this year, I want to remind you about the opportunity that we have about the uh, Christmas offering. Um, What I've seen as a pastor over these last few months is because butter has gone up from like $2 for a bunch of sticks to $7, because milk has gone up in the similar fashion, and eggs and gas. And all the things that you and I are familiar with and understanding that has happened in our economy because of inflation, what has happened amongst Christians is people have drawn back. Instead of being generous as they normally would have been, they have drawn back and maybe some have even quit in being generous. Now, how do I know that? You look at the big churches, CCV uh, right now is in a stewardship series. Some of the other large churches are in a stewardship series. Why? Because it's happening not just with us, but with everybody. And and we understand that. We need to also understand that we don't walk by sight, but we're to walk by faith. And we also need to remember that if we've not been faithful with uh, unrighteous mammon, Jesus, as he said, who will commit to your trust true riches? If you can't be faithful with the things that God has given you to steward in in money and possessions, why would ever he give you more? And he that is faithful in that which is least and is faithful in that which is much. And, you know, I was uh, back in the nursery wing uh, here a couple of weeks ago. There were over 20 some people in that room, kids and workers, they need more space. I was in the, uh, the children's class, the first through third grade uh, a, a couple of weeks ago, and I don't know where they put all those kids. And what we're hoping to do is we're hoping to split the, the current office space into nursery space, use the current classroom. We're going to do uh, uh, twos and threes, fours and fives, first and second, third and fourth, fifth and sixth to allow for the the, the kids to spread out a little bit more, have a little bit more room. And then uh, we currently have like starting point that meets during the services in the activity center. That's gonna be a little bit geared towards overflow, children's classes if we need to, and then move starting point into our conference room in the office area. And uh, we got big plans. And you can be a part of that as we continue to be faithful to the Lord with what he's given us. So if you have your Bibles this morning, take them and turn with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. This morning as we continue in the series The Jesus I Should Know, we're going to look at Jesus, the friend of sinners. Now we all need and long for friendships. Every one of us. We need and we long for friendships. But did you know that in our lifetime a person makes 396 friendships on average, but only one in 12, 33, stands the test of time. In fact, out of the 33, only six are considered to be close friends, while 27 are considered social friends, people we work with, people we do activities with. Best friends are not the people we see most often. Best friends are the people we think about most often. In fact, the statistic is this, men see friends every five days while women see them every three and a half days. But both sexes, however, see their best friend only once every eight weeks on average. And one professor from Washington said, happy marriages are based on deep friendship by this, uh, he meant a mutual respect for each other's company. They're based on a partner's knowledge of each other's likes and dislikes and quirks and little idiosyncrasies. Now, having solid friendships is important for two reasons. First of all, friendships make life more enjoyable. You get to enjoy life together with somebody that you care about. And secondly, our friends help us when we have difficult times. In fact, that's why the Bible says, A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Now, solid friendships can sharpen our character. They can make us better. That's why the Bible says, Iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Now, as we look and discover the Jesus we should know, we see Jesus as an unfailing friend. It is interesting to note that it is not his disciples, but those who hated him, who understood him, and who he was. In fact, as we look at the Bible, the crowds called him a friend of sinners as a derogatory accusation. In fact, Luke chapter seven, the son of man is come eating and drinking, and ye say, behold, a gluttonous man, a winebibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. Now, those who didn't see themselves as sinners were repulsed by him. But those who understood their sinfulness were attracted to him. Not because he was full of sin, but because he was full of love towards them that were considered sinners. Now, Jesus shared in a deep, intimate way with his disciples, so much so that he called them his friends. In fact, that's what our text says this morning, John chapter 15. Henceforth, I call you not servants. For the servant know not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. Friends. Now, if you're a believer today, I want you to understand he's your friend as well. When it seems like you're all alone, when it seems like no one is there to stand by you, when it seems like everyone has left your side, when it seems like uh, you don't have anyone to talk to, when it seems like you have no one to share your struggles and your successes with, I want you to understand, my fellow believer, that you have a friend in Jesus. Now, this morning, as we look to the word of God and understand the Jesus we should know, we should see this morning the basis of our friendship. Now, our friendship with Jesus is based on a personal relationship in salvation, Notice our text, John chapter 15 and verse 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine. Another one of his expositions on him being the I am. The I am the one who has always been. The I am the one who always was. The I am the one who will always be. And he says, I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. Notice what it says in verse 2. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except you abide in me. Now in the temple at Jerusalem, above the the gate known as the round gate, 70 cubits high, which led to the porch, to the holy place, a richly carved vine was extended as a border and as a decoration. Now it was with this in view that Jesus gave this great illustration about he being the vine and his father being the keeper of the vine or the husbandman. Now the fruit bearing branches are describing believers who are placed in Christ the vine through salvation. The branches do not bear fruit who who make claims to be in the vine but have no fruit will be cast into the fires of hell, according to verse 6. Which brings me to a question this morning. Have you been placed into Christ, or has Christ been placed into you? Now, even when Jesus came to this world, the Bible tells us very clearly they didn't know who he was. John 1.12 says it this way, or John 1.10 says, He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. I mean, he came, uh, he, he did miracles, uh, he healed the blind, he healed the deaf, he, he healed the sick, he healed the lame, he did all kinds of wonderful things. He taught them as no one had ever taught them before with power and authority, and yet they rejected him. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But notice what the Bible says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name we receive we believe and we become but notice what it says in verse 13 which were born not of blood we don't get to heaven because our grandma was a christian it's not a blood we don't get to heaven because we had a grandpa that was a preacher it's not a blood notice what else it says it says nor of the will of the flesh We don't get to heaven because we want to badly. We don't get to heaven because of the things that we do. In fact, the Bible says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he hath saved us. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. And then it says, Nor of the will of man, but God. You see, the basis of our friendship is a personal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Have you received Jesus Christ into your life? Are you placed into the vine? Has Jesus been placed into you? Secondly, as we look at the basis of our friendship, we thrive as we draw from the strength of our friendship. Notice what it says in verse 4. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit for without me you can do nothing. Now, the question is often asked when you come to a place like John chapter 15, What does it mean to abide? Now, we must set aside everything from where we draw our own strength and value and draw all of our strength and value from Christ. Like a branch in a vine getting all of its life from the vine, we need to get all of our life, all of our strength, all of our value, all of our satisfaction from Jesus. You see, that's what it means to abide. And we thrive as we draw our strength from our friendship with Jesus. Notice verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. And then it said, me, you can do nothing. Now, sure, we can do things. Yes, we can make a living. Yes, we can put food on the table. Yes, we can put gas in our car. Yes, uh, we can build wealth. Yes, we can have a family. Yes, we can succeed in a career. But we can't do anything of eternal value without Jesus. Because without Him, we can do nothing. Without Him, we can do nothing. I see people all the time, they live their life and they want to pad their bank account, and that's what they live for. And they live their life, and they want to advance themselves in their career, and that's what they live for. Every waking moment is thinking about how I can advance myself in my career. How can I continue to add to, you don't want to add to your 401k right now. How can I continue to add to uh, gold or silver or something like that right now? And I see people there, every waking moment is spent with a drive and a, a tenacity for those things. But let me say something this morning. We can't do anything of eternal value without Him. Without Him. Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount that as we abide, as we grow in our sense of weakness, we're blessed. In fact, this is what He says. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Paul taught the Philippians that they, they in a sense, uh, learned to get life and strength and value by using what Jesus had given them in salvation. And here's what he writes in Philippians. He says this uh, to the Philippian Christians. He says in verse 12, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but much more in my absence Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, use what you already have. Use what God has given you. Use the resources. Tap into them. Abide in Jesus. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You see, our friendship is based on a personal relationship. Our friendship thrives as we draw strength from Jesus. And thirdly, our friendship demands constant growth. Notice what it says in verse 2. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Every branch that beareth fruit, notice what it says, he purgeth it. He cuts it. He prunes it, that it may bring more fruit. Now, anyone who has ever gardened or anyone who has ever been around fruit trees or vines understands That for the fruit to come in at its best, the vine or the tree must be pruned. Now, while it is pruned, while it is cut, while it is, in a sense, this allows the vine or the tree to be healthier in the end. I'm sure for the tree, it's not a pleasant thing while it's happening. But that's exactly the illustration that Jesus has given. Sometimes Jesus needs to allow us to be pruned, to be cut, to be traumatized, if you will, in order so that we can grow. Years ago, I was uh, reading just for the advancement of my knowledge, and I read a book, it was, uh, uh, came into my library called Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. And it was by Dr. Paul Brand, a, a Christian doctor who looked at the body and the amazing uh, creation that God has given us in the human body, and he related uh, analogies and scripture truths to the human body. And one of the things that he had was a chapter all on pain. In fact, the chapter was called The Gift of Pain. And he brought up the subject of leprosy. Leprosy is something you see in the Bible. And I used to think leprosy was a disease where you get some type of bacteria or some type of virus on your skin. And because you get that bacteria or virus on your skin, that bacteria itself starts to eat away your flesh. It eats away your fingers. It eats away your nose. It eats away your, your ears. It eats away uh, a different appendages, your eyebrows, and so on. And I thought that's how a leprosy worked. But in the chapter, The Gift of Pain, in Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, I learned that leprosy, is a disease of the nervous system. And what I didn't realize is that what happens is when you contract leprosy, it deadens your ability to feel. And so if somebody gets leprosy, they can't feel how hard they're rubbing their finger against the rock as they're picking it up. They can't feel how hard they're scratching their ear, and so they scratch it off. Or they scratch part of it off or they scratch some of it off and it becomes infected and they keep doing it and because of the infection, the ear eventually comes off. And they do the same thing with their nose and they do the same thing with their eyebrows and so on and leprosy is a gift. or Excuse me, leprosy is a disease where it, the nervous system is basically uh, put in, in, a, in a way where it doesn't work anymore but here's what he brought out. The gift that we all have is pain. We don't look at pain as a gift. But when you stub your toe, aren't you glad you know you did? When you hurt your knee, aren't you glad you know you did? When you sprain your ankle, aren't you glad you know you did? But when somebody's leprous, they don't know. And sometimes we go through the pains of life and we look at it as a curse, but what we don't understand is that everything that God is allowing into our life is ultimately going to work together for our good and His glory. Amen. I like how James described it in James chapter 1. James said, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect or mature, and entire wanting nothing. You see, Jesus gives us opportunities to lean on Him when we deal with the trials of life, strengthening our friendship with Him, and ultimately allowing us to go at, grow as we're purged. We see, firstly, the basis of our friendship. Secondly, we see the blessings of our friendship. As we abide in Jesus, getting all of our strength, all of our significance, all of our value from him, we will have powerful prayers. Notice what it says in verse seven. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Because we understand and know Jesus so intimately by abiding in him, we will pray for extravagant, powerful things and we'll see God work in powerful and amazing ways. In fact, here's what Jesus himself said, and Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for I verily say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence unto yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Now I have seen God do amazing things Wonderful things I have seen God do things That no man Could explain In any possible way I've seen God meet needs and I I think of even getting this land. We needed $80,000 and there was a church somewhere in Iowa that we had never met anybody in that church and they they had a burden for a church plant and they wanted to do something for a church plant to be able to help them to move forward in their development and they found out about us somehow and they called us and they said, hey, listen, I know we we had money in escrow. We needed more money to keep everything going and if we didn't get the money, we're going to lose the money that we had given into escrow and we were praying asking God to do a miracle and this church calls us up and said, hey, we got $80,000, can you use it? Let me pray about that. Oh, yes, yes. I mean, this construction of this building, uh, there was no bank that wanted to touch us, why? Because we were so new, Uh, we were out on the margins, and so on, And, and God allowed everything to happen for us to get financing, to get into this building. We got tons of equity into this thing right now, why? Because God did exceeding and abundantly above all that we ask and think. I look at people in our church, you know, I I go out and I meet people on a daily basis, and I'll ask God, I'll pray this prayer in the morning. I'll say, God, please bring somebody across my path that I might be able to help. And there's a, a gentleman, his wife here, Mike and Judy, in the front row. I would see Mike. I'd go to Hit Balls over at Verado. I get a little pass that allows me to for at the time thirty dollars. Uh, hit balls on a daily basis and get discounted rates at golf and I'd see Mike there and I'd play there at uh, a Verado every once in a while Mike was working at the golf course and I'd talk to him and relate to him and the other guys and um, one day he looked troubled and I said Mike what's going on and I could tell something was wrong and he had said at that time he had skin cancer and he was troubled by it and so I just grabbed him by the shoulder and I just prayed with him I said Mike please let me know how How everything goes, and and then he went and I had some heart problems after that. And found out about that, and I prayed with them. And before long we saw him come to church. And as far as I know, since he came, you really haven't missed and I pray and I ask God, God, please bring somebody across my path that I might be able to help and minister to. And you know what? God does that all the time. I met a guy a, a couple months ago and I ran into him again the other day. He remembered my name, everything about me. And I said, what's your name again? <laughs> And I I confidently believe I'm praying for that guy on a daily basis now. That guy's going to end up here. That guy's going to get saved. That guy's wife's going to get saved. And here's what I believe. God is in the business of doing something that you could never imagine. But as we abide in him, he'll lead us to pray powerful prayers. Secondly, as we abide in him, getting all of our strength and significance and value from him, we'll have the opportunity to glorify God. Notice what the Bible says. It says, Here is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. Now, as we abide in Jesus, we will bear fruit. Now, Paul likened abiding to being controlled or filled with the Holy Spirit, and he said, The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and longsuffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance. Against such there is no law. But in the context here, Jesus later clarifies what fruit he is speaking of and that the fruit is of other believers. He says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. The language suggests fruit that would come off the branches, speaking of other believers. And as we abide in Jesus, uh, as we more and more are conscious of the people that Jesus puts in front of us, we'll have a greater burden for those people that Jesus puts in front of us. Now, I'm glad uh, that years ago somebody was burdened for me. And as a result of somebody being burdened for me, I ultimately was reached I ultimately got saved. Uh, I've ultimately led other people to Jesus Christ because I was burdened for them, and they've led people to Jesus Christ because they were burdened for other people. And you see, as we continue to be burdened and abide in Jesus, we have a heart for those that need Jesus, and we glorify God. We see, thirdly, we have fullness in love. Notice what it says. It says, as the Father hath loved me, so I have loved you. Continue you in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. You see, as we abide in Jesus, we are more uh, fully able to understand his love for us, and then we have the opportunity to love others in kind, and then we see one last blessing in our friendship, the joy of relationship. These things have I spoken unto you that your joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Now, joy is different than happiness because happiness is contingent upon what happens around us. Now, yesterday I was a happy man. I invited people over to my home, some of the guys that were my fantasy football group, and I invited them to my home, and uh, a couple staff members, and I said, you're welcome to come, because Michigan, the University of Michigan, is gonna play Ohio State in football. Excuse me? <laughs> Can somebody escort this gentleman out? <laughs> and, and at halftime, Michigan was down, I think, 20 to 17. But then after halftime, it was a full-on beatdown. Michigan ended up taking control of the game by running the ball. JJ McCarthy threw some touchdown passes, and it was dun 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 dun. All right, okay, that's enough. I got it. Hail to the victors. It was awesome. And I was happy. But you know what? At halftime, I wasn't sure I was so happy. (laughs) At halftime, I was not sure we could pull it off. At halftime, I was thinking I was going to have to turn to joy instead of happiness. Amen? Amen. Happiness is different from joy because happiness is contingent upon what happens around us. Whereas joy, a calm delight, an inner peace and gladness, a sufficiency that is not contingent upon circumstances comes from an abiding relationship with Jesus. And the more that you draw your strength and the more you draw your satisfaction and the more you draw your value from Jesus the more joy you're going to have. We see not only the basis of our friendship, the blessings of our friendship, we see lastly, the mutual benefit of our friendship. Now as we continue in our friendship, we have a greater love for Jesus and a greater love for others. Notice the text. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Now, as we grow in our intimacy with Jesus, abiding in Him, just like any other relationship, as it deepens, we will love the individual more. We will love the individual more. And as we love Him more, His love becomes a part of our character. And in turn... We'll love others with the same love wherewith Jesus has loved us. Now, we all want to love people like Jesus loves them. We all want to love people like Jesus loves them to the point of sacrifice. But the only way we will is if we abide in him. Now, we want to develop our friendship to the point that we draw all of our strength and all of our satisfaction and all of our value from him. And as we do, we will love like Jesus loves. And then what else do we see as the mutual benefit of our friendship? As we continue in our friendship, we'll ultimately share the same goals and the same purpose. As I was studying this out, after I did my breakdown of the words, uh, I looked in the commentaries, and most of the commentaries used a word called mutuality. Mutuality, meaning you have the same mind. And that's what the text is speaking of. It says, you are my friends. If you do whatsoever, I command you. Henceforth, I call you not servant, uh, for the servant not, knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Now, the command that is being spoken about in verse 14 is the command he's given to love. And as we grow in our love towards others and Jesus, Jesus shares his heart with us. He shares his purpose, he shares his goals, and in turn, those goals become our goals and his purpose becomes our purpose. But notice what it says in verse 15. But I have not called you servants, I have called you friends. For all things I have heard of my Father, that have I made known unto you. Now yes, the disciples have the privilege to serve Jesus, yes. But disciples are more than that. Jesus calls his disciples friends. Friends. And through the Holy Spirit, Jesus shares his heart with us. That's what friends do. My wife and I, we will often look at each other and she'll say something like this Hey, best friend. And I'll look at her and I'll say, Hey, best friend. And we share everything. We don't share the same toothbrush, amen? (laughs) Same clothes, thank the Lord. (laughs) I wouldn't fit into them. (laughs) But we share our hopes and our dreams, our fears, our likes, and our dislikes, and we share life together. And you know what? That's what friends do. They have a mutuality of purpose. They have have a mutuality of vision. They have a mutuality of goals. And that's what Jesus does to us with his Holy Spirit. Here's what the Bible tells us a couple chapters later, or one chapter later in John chapter 16. It says, how be it when he, Jesus speaking, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. That would include purpose, that would include values, that would include vision, that would include what he wants for your life. And then it says, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Now, Paul was glad to have Timothy in his life a friend who he could share everything with, including the care of other Christians. And this is what he wrote to Timothy, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, to the Philippians, uh, that I may also be of good comfort and know your state, for I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. He wrote to the Philippians and he said, you know what, uh, Timothy is a guy that knows my heart, he knows my purpose, he knows my vision, and he'll care for you like I have cared for you. And then we see one last mutual benefit of friendship. As we continue in our friendship, Jesus helps us to prosper. Notice what it says. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. Now, we are saved, as I mentioned just a moment ago, to add fruit to the vine and to see God work in and through our lives In powerful ways. Now, I've probably read the book of Acts 70, 75 times. And I love reading the book of Acts because it's subtitled The Acts of the Apostles. You could also subtitle it The Acts of the Early Christians. And as you get into chapter 1, you see the disciples uh, uh, watching Jesus ascend up into heaven and then up in the upper room praying, waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. As you come to chapter 2, everything starts to break loose. Uh, The Holy Spirit uh, appears as cloven tongues of fire over the disciples, and they begin to speak. And as they speak, every man hears the gospel in their own language. That's what biblical tongues is all about. Not some language that only God and angels understands, but uh, everybody hearing in their own language, and the end result was 3,000 people getting saved. You get to chapter 3, and Peter and John are going to the temple, and they're going to give their afternoon prayers, and as they do, there's a man that's uh, uh, been at the same place at the beautiful gate for probably most of his life, and, uh, and they, he approaches, uh, uh, Peter and John approaches them him, and uh, he says, uh, alms, alms, alms for the poor. And Peter and John say, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And it creates an uproar. This man who had begged at that place for years and years and years, as far as anybody could, as long as anybody could remember, is now healed and whole and glorifying God and speaking of Jesus Christ. It causes such an uproar. In chapter 4 and 5, we see Peter and John imprisoned and threatened and beaten and told never to speak in the name of Jesus anymore. Acts chapter 5, you get to the situation where Ananias and Sapphira uh, say that they sold a piece of land and gave all the proceeds when, in fact, they had not. And then they both end up dead. Not because they had not given all the proceeds, but they had lied about it. And, and the, 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 the disciples uh, uh, grow and the church is magnified. Acts chapter six, uh, we see uh, the calling out of the deacons. Acts chapter seven and eight, we see Stephen being stoned. Acts chapter eight, we see revival in Samaria. And as you go through the entire book of Acts, God is working in supernatural and wonderful and powerful ways but here's something I want you to realize. The God that was present in the book of Acts is the same God who we serve today. Amen. But I think that most of us have forgotten to understand that. And what we need to understand is that Jesus wants us as well to be the friend of sinners, because Jesus is the friend to every sinner you know. Amen. So I ask you this morning is Jesus your friend? Have you received him as your Savior and Lord? Christians, if you're lonely, if you feel forsaken, if you feel no one wants you, I want you to understand that every one of us has a friend in Jesus. Learn to abide in him and he will continue to change your life in and through your friendship. Be a friend to others so that they can understand a friendship with Jesus. Let's all pray.